0: Listen, uh, so w- this is the end of a four-part series, so if you're just joining us today and you missed that, I would encourage you. We've got them all saved online. You should go back and listen to them. Um, if you've been with us through, through all this and, and you're, you're here now, what, some of the things you may have been thinking through this is, okay, this sounds great for those guys who are going to do that, but I, but I don't know how much this applies to me. Well, thank you for your patience. Today's your message, okay? Okay. So for all of us who are here, whether this is your first and you missed the rest of it, this still applies to you, okay? So yes, this is the last of the series, but this is for you this morning. Um, Did you know that you, Allegan Bible Church congregation, member of Allegan Bible Church, you are just as responsible for leading the church as the elders and the deacons? Did you know that? Maybe. That's a good answer. Today, I hope to prove that to you and hope for you to apply that to your life. Uh, but before we get into God's Word, will you please join with me as we, as we pray? God, our Father in heaven, uh, we do thank you for your Word. It is good. It's holy. It's profitable for us. We thank you for the church. We thank you for this body of believers, your bride, our adopted family, Lord, we confess that we do not honor your bride always in the way that we should. We do not always fulfill our role within your family as we ought. And so, therefore, we ask for forgiveness for this. Lord, we would ask that you would send your Spirit to renew us, to fill us, to make us ready and willing to fulfill each of our individual roles here at Elgin Bible Church whether in a specific office of elder or deacon, or as a member of the body. Lord, it is in your name and for your glory we do pray. Amen. Uh, So if you're a note taker, uh, this is the first uh, part on your uh, section of of notes, Uh, but I wanted everybody to have it. While elders have a specific and special responsibility to preach the word, and deacons to shepherd the church... And both of those, so the elders are also responsible for shepherding the church too. So don't, don't get me twisted on this. But we're talking about both of these roles individually too and, and how they function. So the whole congregation is accountable before God for the church's doctrine, discipline, and discipleship. And so that's where you come in, right? Whether you're ever going to be in any of these offices or not, this is for you. This is where you come in. So the first uh, block for you to fill out if you're filling out notes is this is a congregational command. It's not my command, it's God's command. We're going to see it right in Scripture. And so for some of us who have problems with authority, maybe this is going to be a problem for you at the beginning, but I hope that you will understand in the end why well, this is a good and profitable thing and why we ought to apply this. So in Hebrews thirteen, seventeen it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So the first point of this congregational command I hope is obvious to you but if it's not it's first is list obey your leaders and submit to them. And so There is a level of authority that God has given myself as a pastor, that God is calling the elders and the deacons to, that as we seek to prayerfully move things forward, as we seek to make plans, as we seek to uh, do things in accordance with God's word for you all, there is a level of expectation that God gives to you that you would obey and submit to that leadership. How's that sit with you this morning? do what you're told kind of thing, right? Well, so long as they're leading you in the way of the Spirit. Now, I want you to see some things in this text. So if you have a copy of God's Word and you want to turn back to Hebrews 13, 17, I think that would be ben- a benefit to you. I don't have the slide set up in such a way where I can just go back to that. I mean, Nick, Nick could do that if, if he'd like to, to bless you that way this morning, but he's got a lot of extra clicking, so I'm not going to put that on him. I'm just going to say, you, you know, we'll, we'll see how we work here. But if you turn to Hebrews eleven seventeen 17 in your copy of God's Word, I want you to see this. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? Because they are keeping watch over your soul. It is assumed that it should be a good, rela- a symbiotic relationship, so to speak, that as you submit and obey your leadership, that your soul is cared for, that your soul is grown. And so it's not the way that we think of, the way that I always thought of, you know, the vice principal at, at Maduwan High School. I don't think that he cared so much for my soul or my good. Uh, and maybe I deserved a little bit of ill will when I was at that age too. I'm sure I wasn't easy. But in this context... It should be a joy to do that and not a grief. Do you see in the text it says that too and that's the next part there. Make this their joy and not a grief. Why? Well you see Jesus owns the sheep we just work here. 1 Peter 5 2 says shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercise oversight not under compulsion but willingly as God would have you not for shameful gain but eagerly. You see these people who are in these positions these men who are elders and who are deacons whether they're paid for it or whether they're volunteer they're doing this for the Lord they're doing this as under shepherds who are directly answerable to a higher authority so you can submit and obey them knowing that ultimately they are answerable to a higher court. and also it's not always fun to be in charge, do you know that? I mean, it's not, it's not always easy to make some calls. Do you know that? Have you ever volunteered for something and then deeply regretted that you did? Because I have. Perhaps you've been there. If you haven't, hey, God bless you, and I am thankful that you have been uh, spared that. But probably all of us in some form, one or another, has volunteered for something. We've helped out. We've decided to to put ourselves out there and then deeply regretted it. I remember distinctly a time where I helped a friend move and there was absolutely no packing done. By the way, if you ever ask me to help you, at the age that I'm at now and with the boldness that I have over the years, if you ask me to help you move and I come to your house and you've not packed anything up, I'm going to pray with you And I'm going to (laughs) leave. If you ask me to help you move, have things boxed up or bagged up. I don't care what you put them in. Put them in sleeping bags. It does not matter. Have your stuff packed, okay? So this is a life announcement for everybody here. If that's you, don't do that. has nothing else to do with the rest of our our message today except for to tell you I volunteered for something. And then I immediately, deeply regretted it. Because I was there all day packing up somebody else's stuff to help them move. Make it a joy and not a grief. I also remember a different time I helped somebody move. And not only did they have everything boxed up, it was already loaded by the front door. It was, it was we were done within a couple, it, this was amazing. And then after the truck was loaded, he said, that's, that's your part, I've got another, I've got other people that I've asked to come unload it. Let me take you out to dinner. And I was like, this guy, how often do you have to move? Because I'm ready. And by the way, in Scripture it says, James 3.1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So don't add, so to speak, don't add insult to injury. The men who are taking on these positions are doing it because they love you. And more than that, it should be because they love the Lord. And then should your attitude not be one of, hey, I bel- I'm just going to trust that you have the best for me? And even though maybe I don't agree with every single call that that is made every single time, I'm I'm going to allow the Spirit to work on my heart to sanctify me in obedient submission to those who God has placed over me so that it can be a joy and not a grief because I know that you're already going to get judged with a greater strictness. And so I don't want to add that to you. And furthermore, they ought to be doing that. It says here that they ought to be seeking your advantage. Look at the he- Hebrews uh, text, thirteen seventeen. For that would be of no advantage to you. Do you know that God has set this in place to benefit you? And so the congregational command is firstly, right? Obey your leaders and submit to them. Secondly, make their work a joy and not a grief. How many times, again, I, 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 there's other ways to do this, but how many times have you just straight up thanked one of these deacons or brought them over for a meal or if they have small kids done childcare for free so they could go on a date with their wife? I'm not trying to shame you. I'm just trying to say, like, are you making their, their work a joy? And then thirdly, for this uh, congregational command, we're, we're going to go to another text to, to prove this out, but I want to I give you the point and then we'll go to the text, okay? So the next one is to, to imitate and to learn from them. Now, if you can say that, hey, that, that you, you shouldn't imitate the men who are in these positions, well, then these men shouldn't be in these positions. Shame on you for electing them, okay? Shame on us as a board for appointing them but it should be the case that these men that are in these positions that you should be able to imitate and to learn from them have you ever heard the saying i'm sure you have monkey see monkey do right or or the better way of putting it more is caught than taught right have you have you ever heard either of those things i have one of the things that I try to do with my kids, now I, don't, I was having a conversation with a gentleman out in the lobby today about, about car care and things like that. I don't know a lot about car care. I know a little bit, okay? But the things that I know, I think my kids should know. Things like how to check their blinker fluid, right? <laughs> or, or, you know, how to make sure the flux capacitor is still in, in check, right? No, but seriously, when I go out and I change the oil, I always, and I invite the boys, I invite Elior out there. I invite them to come. I say, hey, do you want to learn how to change your car's oil? Or, hey, do you want to learn how to rotate tires? Do you want to learn how to check these things? Uh, do, do you want to learn how to, how to do this or that or the other thing? And the reason that I do that is because I believe, as you probably believe, that there are certain things that I want my children to know, you want your children to know, your grandchildren to know, or your friends, your family, that are going to be good for their lives. And so it's, I, can, I, can, I could sit them down and I could walk them through the process like I could with you, right? Like, first you pop the hood, and, or, well, first you find something to put it up on, or you jack it up, and then you pop the hood, and then you open the cap, and then you, uh, you, you know, I mean, I could walk you through, I suppose, step by step of, of all these things. But it's so much better when I can take them alongside with me, underneath the vehicle, and I could say, all right, let's try this socket. Well, that's not going to work. Let's try this socket. Well, that's not going to work. Let's try this. Oh, that one works. What's the size socket that that is? Let's remember that for next time. Okay. Now, here's what we do. How do you figure out which way you turn that righty-tighty, lefty-loosey kind of thing, right? More is caught. Then is taught uh, 1 Corinthians so here's the proof text that I have for you and, and Nick's going to bring us through this because we have a, a couple of little verses here but 1 Corinthians four fifteen through 17 for though you have countless guides in Christ you do not have many fathers for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel I urge you then be imitators of me now I don't know about you but that's the kind of scripture that always bothers me and do you know why? I often feel like I will never live up to this kind of scripture. Can I honestly, with a clear conscience and a a straight face, tell you all, hey, you want to be more like Jesus? Here's what you need to do. You need to imitate me. Well, Paul said that, and he said that without ego. He said that out of love. Men who are called to elders and deacons should be able to say this, without ego and driven by love. He says, be imitators of me. And and then furthermore, that's why I sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. So again, Paul wasn't just having this one-shot thing. He's saying, "This this is how I do ministry. I teach them my ways in Christ so that they can imitate me. These men who are in these positions, they ought to be worthy of imitation. Monkey, see monkey do. They ought to be mature. So again, the congregational command here, for you all, if you are not ever in this kind of position, then the congregational command for you is to obey and submit to them, knowing that they have your best interests at heart, make their work a joy and not a grief. And then lastly, to seek to imitate and learn from them. You know, in our Western society, I don't know that we all really know what discipleship means and what that looks like. But what that should look like is spelled out for you in Titus. I don't know if you know that or not. If you're a young husband or a young father, if you hear nothing else from this sermon, are you ready? Pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. If you're a young husband and a young father, the best thing you can do as a, as a Christ-seeking young man is to find an older, proven, Christ-seeking older man and just take him out for coffee regularly, share with him your struggles in your life, and then just shut up and ask him to tell you what to do. Ask him to pray for you. Young women, guess what? The best thing you can do is to find an older, seasoned woman in Christ and do the same thing. Did you know that's discipleship? It doesn't have to be anything fancy. You don't have to go through a book study. You literally just get together, share what's going on, pray for one another, and allow that older woman in Christ to speak into your life and actually listen. And young men do the same. And that's discipleship. So that's a command to imitate them, to learn from them. And then we move on to the congregational commitment. Because here's what I said, right? So the, the elders, the deacons, they're responsible for the, for the growth, the maturity, the building up, the equipping of the body of believers. But you all are equally responsible in various ways. One is to submit to them in these, in these things, to imitate them, to learn from them. But here's a commitment that we need from you. Are you ready? Uh, 1 Timothy 5, 19 through 22. Nick's going to uh, bring us through this again, but it says, do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. Now, Pastor, I thought what you said, or I thought how this works is, the church is just supposed to be a place of love and marshmallows and butterfly kisses all the time. Well, my friend, you misunderstand Scripture. Sometimes Christianity hurts, and this might be a time for that. So let's finish the text, though, right? Stand in fear. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Do you think that Paul is serious here? Is this something we ought to pay attention to? I mean, how often in his letters does he say, in the presence of God and of Christ and the elect angels, I charge you to keep this? Not real often, okay? So maybe we ought to pay attention to this. So I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing for partiality. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. So you know how a a, a knife cuts both ways, right? So these men who are in these positions, it is your command to follow them, to make it a joy, to imitate them. Here's the commitment that we have uh, that we need from you too. You need to trust your leaders and give them the benefit of the doubt. It says here, do not admit a charge against another except the evidence of two or three witnesses. Yet, if they need correction, you do it with zeal. And you do it with fervor. And you do it publicly. And do you know why? Firstly, because that's what God's word says, so end of discussion. Secondly, there's a reason for that. It's so that others would be able to have faith in, have trust in, be able. If we, listen, if I, with a straight face, can sit up here and tell you, submit to your leaders and obey them. Make it a joy and not a grief. Imitate them, learn from them. Trust them and give them the benefit of the doubt. I sure better also say, right after quickly following that, But if there's a persistent sin, you call them out and you call them out publicly because that office has to be kept in a way that is so honoring that it is above reproach to the point that I can also say, and when there's a leader who's there, you submit to them and you obey them because they're worthy of imitation and submission and and obedience to. Amen? Can I get an amen from that? See, this is church discipline. This is what we are supposed to be doing. And churches are afraid to do this. And do you know why? Because it means that the members are going to leave. Well, I know it's easy to talk a big game and not back it up, but I am here to tell you that I love you enough. And I love Algon Bible Church enough. And if you don't believe that, I love myself enough and my soul before the Lord that if we need to, we will practice Matthew 18 church discipline here. But what does that look like? Well, it says in Matthew 18, 15 through 20, you probably know it, but it says, if your brother sins against you. Now, does it say if your brother has another opinion than you, or if your brother likes a different flavor of ice cream than you, or if your brother has a haircut that you don't like or wears clothes that you don't fit? No, it says if your brother sins against you. So we got to be clear with that first and foremost. But if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Does it say bring your posse or bring your aunt or bring your uncle or your grandma or whoever? No. You and him alone. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So now we're going to state our case, his case, my case, right? We're going to have some, some judgment here. Well, doesn't the Bible says not to judge? Well, uh, yeah, the heart condition, but it doesn't say not to hold those accountable in the church, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church and let them to be as a Gentile and a tax collector, what does that mean? That means that assume that they are not saved because there is no repentance and continue to give them the gospel. What that also means is that there are certain things that they can't do. If you're a member of Alec Bible Church and you're under church discipline, you may not receive Communion. And so if it's one of those times where you're coming up front and you're about to take communion, I will tell the elders and the deacons ahead of time, if you see them reach for it, you move it out of the way. And if that's embarrassing to you publicly, well then I'm sorry. I know this is kind of heavy, but we also have to remember what we're talking about here. We're talking about the men who God is calling to govern the body, to protect the body, who it's in some way, because it says here, as for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, that the rest may stand in fear. Fear of what? Not fear of embarrassment, although um, maybe. And sometimes that can be a healthy thing to keep us from doing sin, right? But no, what? Fear of the Lord, fear of his holiness. He says to Moses, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. This is a serious office. And so the commitment that we need for you as a congregation is to have a spine. Don't let your elders and your deacons persist in sin and just allow them to continue. You need to squash that and do it with zeal. But we also, we have to be very clear that we're making sure we're doing it biblically, right? So if, if an elder or if a deacon, just like any other member of the church, if they sin, you take it to them privately and you call them out on that privately. And, and, and the hope is, right, is that they would repent, they would seek forgiveness, and then it can, be, it can be dealt with, and it can be done, and we can move forward. Now, is there going to be some kind of a, a responsibility for that? Because the elders should probably, especially if it's somebody who's in an office, should that be made known to the other people who are in that office? Yeah, it, it has to be, because they're in a position of authority over others now. So it's, there is no such thing as just a private sin in these offices. We have to be held accountable. It may help you to know this. That there are men in this congregation, men of the board, men who are not on the board, who are keeping me accountable for all kinds of things. And if they need correction, those men are to do that with zeal. But then it also says here, do not be hasty in the laying out of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. So this public office requires public rebuke. Church discipline is everyone's duty, not just... Those who are in these offices. There's to be no partiality. It doesn't matter if they're a paid pastor, a lay elder, a deacon. It doesn't matter if it's your brother, your in law, your, your father in law, or whatever. And then the hope for all of this is not just embarrassment, the, the hope for all of this is restoration and healing. Do you understand that? Is for the church to be healthy, is for the elders and the deacons to be healthy. And so then there's even a bigger responsibility. Are you ready for that? Pray for them regularly and earnestly. Do you know I, I... I don't always like it when people say this because of the word choice. Um, but I'm going to be guilty of it right now. Do you, do you know that I covet your prayers. And what I mean by that is I long for, I strongly desire your regular prayers. And more than that, I strongly desire your regular earnest prayers for the men who are in these offices of elder and deacon. Because I'm here to tell you, if you didn't know that there's a war waging and that Satan wants to crush, kill, and destroy, uh, he does. His desire is to make a mockery of these offices. His desire is for us to be half-hearted as a congregation in fulfilling our duty to these offices either in submission and obedience or holding them accountable. We need your prayers regularly and earnestly. Hebrews 13:18 uh, says, "Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a uh, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things." Paul's writing this, "Pray for us." The second Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So what are you to pray for? Well, it's, it's in the text. Pray for clear consciences. Pray for honorable living. Pray that we would be worthy of the calling. Pray that we would fulfill the work by faith. Pray that Christ would be glorified in the office and in the ministry that is being provided. No one is immune to temptation and to danger. Matthew 26, 31 says, Then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And those guys walked literally with Jesus in the presence of Christ for three years and they fell away. How much more susceptible do you think the men who are leading this congregation? Not to mention, not to mention, that some of the temptations that these men face, in my personal opinion, are not to be compared with the temptation that our world in America offers us today. I guess what I'm saying is, if I were Satan, what I would do is seek to destroy everything that God holds dear. I would destroy marriage, I would destroy biblical headship. I would destroy the offices of the church. I would seek to attack the doctrine of church. I mean, it seems to me like that's what he's doing. So the last of this, as we as we put this all together, is for you to understand the congregational convalescence. So let me describe to you what convalescence is. I was trying to make these all match so they could all be... Tra- uh, 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 all C's, that's it, thank you, alliteration. (laughs) Convalescence is the gradual recovery of health and strength after illness or injury. It refers to the latter stage of an infectious disease or illness when the patient recovers and returns to previous health, but may continue to be a source of infection to others, even if feeling better. In this sense, recovery can be considered a synonymous term This also sometimes includes patient care after a major surgery, excuse me, under which they are required to visit the doctor for regular checkups. I can't think of a better term. We are in the middle of convalescence right now. We were created by God. Adam and Eve were created perfect to have perfect relationship with God, to have perfect relationship with one another, to submit, uh, uh, subdue the earth and rule over it and be God's image bearers that would just shine forth into every distant galaxy because he created all those kind of things. And we were deeply wounded and injured. In fact, we died by sin. But yet the great physician came and performed his healing act, and so now all of us are being sanctified, we are convalescing together. We are all in the ward right now until final graduation, which is either we die and we go there, or uh, maybe, you know, we get lucky like Enoch, and we walk with God, and we're just out of here. Either one is good, and I'm for either one. But we're all in convalescence right now. So I have two large sections of scripture that we're going to read together, okay? Uh, Nick's going to flip through, and you guys are going to bear with me and, and read along. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 says this, And he gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. 1 Thessalonians five twelve through 22. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So according to Ephesians 4, 11-16, and 1 Thessalonians five twelve through 13 which we just read, we are a congregation in convalescence, and he has provided for us leaders to equip the saints until we all attain the fullness of Christ so that we wouldn't be tossed to and fro by random doctrines. Rather, we would be growing. So we are called to respect our leaders, those who are over us, to esteem them hi- highly because your leaders strive after spiritual maturity to the fullness of Christ with you. Uh, your leaders speak the truth in love, seeking to encourage and strengthen you. And your leaders jealously guard you by the word of God, holding fast to sound doctrine. So all of us are in the process of sanctification and we need one another walking alongside of us. So yes, the office of elder and the office of deacon are special offices. But every single one of you here are called to that level of maturity, all of us. And we are working together in this convalescent ward. This is weird, right? Where like every single one of us is a patient and yet every single one of us is a doctor, right? But that's how God designed this. Our leaders are supposed to speak the truth in love, seeking to encourage and strengthen us. Speaking the truth in love also sometimes mean telling you things you may not want to hear, but it's because we love you and vice versa telling me things I may not want to hear because you love me. But it's for the purpose of encouraging and strengthening us in the faith. faith. All of us are responsible for these one another's. We are to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. The leaders are to jealously guard the word of God and hold fast to sound doctrine, and that's your job too, to check us and to be Bereans. As as I give you these, these points, you ought to be asking Where is he getting that in the text? Do I see that in the text? Your elders, your deacons ought to be also listening to sermons with the mindset of saying, like, is he accurately expositing the text according to the other biblical doctrines that we know? And we are to stand firm in our convictions knowing that our adversary, the devil, prowls around. We will, at Allegan Bible Church, stand on Scripture. We will say things that the world does not like. Not to harm the world, but because God deserves his glory. So this letter to leaders are not just for those who hold the office of elder or deacon, but men, I want you to desire those positions. I hope that you desire those positions. I want you to strive and seek those positions. Women, I want you to be praying for those men in those positions. I want you to be helping your man seek those positions. So these letters for leaders are not just for those to hold these office. They are to all of us who have claimed to be given the gift of a second birth where we call ourselves Christian. Let's pray. God, our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the church. God, we do thank you for these offices and we pray for Elegant Bible Church. And we pray for those who are in positions of leadership that you would protect and guard them and guide them. We pray for us who are not in these positions of leadership that you would call us into greater maturity and preparedness so that either we might fulfill those offices or we might submit to those offices. We pray that it would be an honor and a glory to your name for your people and all God's children said amen. Let's, uh, let's stand and sing and then we'll, we'll join together and In communion.